Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined by my good friend, Anisha Maradian, who is the manager of integrated sales and marketing at the NFL. Anisha talks about authenticity in creating and maintaining relationships, learning how to market yourself, how things have changed for women in the sports industry, and so much more. Anisha and I are great friends, and we do not hold back in this really fun episode that covers work, dating, and everything in between. Enjoy! Anisha, welcome to the Get My Job podcast. You guys, I know in the intro I mentioned that Anisha and I are friends, but I don't think you guys quite understand the level of love here between us, so this is very exciting. I'm so excited to be here. When I when you asked me, I was like, um, yes, of course. Been waiting for this. Can't wait. <laughs> so Anisha and I met uh, the week of the Super Bowl at a women in the NFL or women in sports event. Uh, we became very fast friends, bonding over the one and only Justin Bieber, and then a variety of other things. And this is just so much fun. And I'm really excited to talk to you today. And also Anisha is like amazing and a force, and we're gonna get into it, but she's been working full-time, going to school, and she's really incredible. And she just got engaged, so congratulations again. Thank um, you. So I'm trying to say um less, but in this particular case, I felt like it was the perfect word. So um, let's jump in. But this I is love okay. it. I love also, it. Yeah. Instant friends from Belieber moment forward. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much it was. So thank you, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber and the NFL <laughs> brought us together. Exactly. <laughs> yes how we roll. So Anisha, I obviously know this, but I would love for our listeners if you could take us through your professional journey. Of course. Um, I love this. So as Tracy said, an NFLer, I will say, so I, I'm born and raised in LA. I grew up in a very traditional, like more, I'm a child of immigrants. So when you're a child of immigrants, you kind of are trained to want to be a doctor or a lawyer. So I was a little bit going against the grain. Um, I went to USC and I studied media, basically focused on communication and television production. So I've kind of been like really like in the entertainment industry since my late teens. So I was working on like morning talk shows. I was working on um, Power 106. So like Big Boys Neighborhood slash the cruise show times, like where morning radio was such a hit, like wake up at 5am, get my coffee, like get going, be working with artists. So I really thought I was going to end up more in like that pop culture entertainment um, area. But as everybody knows, if you know USC, very big on networking, very big on like that alumni group. So Mm -hmm. I was at a networking event. And um, since I had my own TV show at USC on campus, I basically like met this NFL recruiter because the show that I ran was on everybody's resume. And so this recruiter came up to me and she was like, I heard you're the showrunner for the morning brew, which was the show that I had on campus. And she's like, I just wanted to like talk to you. And I she kind of told me the requirements to go to the NFL and like, there's this junior rotational program that they're, they have like really high expectations for. Like it used to be all Ivy league students. It used to be like a 3.9 GPA requirement. I kind of chuckled in her face. Like if you know me, if you've met me, I'm super unfiltered. I very much like kind of say it how I'm 
thinking. I don't really <laughs> like think before I speak sometimes, which could be good and bad. But I basically told her, I was like, if you want someone with a three nine, you're looking for someone without job experience. So, um, we kind of hit it off and she's like, okay, then just send me your resume. I told her I had like a three five. So basically through that connection, shout out Kenny Lethridge, who was the recruiter at the time. I started at the NFL in 2016, uh, in July. So I graduated USC in May of 2016. I already had the job offer to go start the junior rotational program. I took like that month to move to New York and I basically spent two years in this rotational program, which for anyone listening that is young and in college and trying to like break into the sports industry. It's a two-year program within the NFL and it's really like business oriented and you switch departments every six months. So in season and off season. Um, so that's where I kind of started the journey. I don't know if you want me to keep blabbing on how I got to where I am now, but that's where I got into the NFL. I definitely want you to keep blabbing, though I wouldn't consider it blabbing, but I wanted to interrupt you for one second because yeah. we, we've had Kimmy Checks on this podcast, and nice. she also talked about that program, and I believe you guys met during that program, correct? Yeah, exactly. So Kimmy is a couple years younger than me, and Kimmy and I met through... Um, the junior rotational program because we had a bowling event when we when the new um, students for the program were coming in and Kimmy and I were wearing the same earrings and so we were at this bowling event with matching earrings and we hit it off and she was about to go into the international group which was my final rotation so when I okay. wrapped the program up Kimmy started and we became fast friends and now are like I mean I was at it was I was at her wedding we're best friends like we've we basically met through JRP and stayed friends through JRP. The NFL bringing friends together left and right. I love it. Yeah. Um, now, yes, I would love for you to keep telling us about how you got to where you are now. Of course. Yeah. So through the junior rotational program, um, I did four groups. So I started in like our football communications and marketing, which was really focused on like booking player appearances and then moved into our like more database marketing, which was focused on sending out all those emails. If you're getting an email from a team about season tickets, if you're getting an email from the NFL about draft and what was at the time, Philadelphia, like that was the group I was in. And so we had all that like cool audience information and we would target uh, that marketing to the fans accordingly. And then my third rotation was with consumer products, which was more focused on like NFL shop and all the new licensees we work with, like the Aaron Andrews line, et cetera. And then my last group was international business development, which at the time we had like a London game or two um, and a Mexico game. And I think ever since that, we've really expanded internationally. So that was like a really cool group to watch. Um, all, throughout my time in the program, I really stayed true to maintaining and creating like good relationships with people. Um, I'm a pretty chatty person. My fiance now, I guess boyfriend before, um, my fiance makes fun of me and says I could talk to a brick wall. And so I think for me, just like creating and like fostering those like authentic relationships within the office is what has kept me at the NFL. And so, um, through my time there, I actually became really close to, 
um, some of my bosses, bosses and boss and like peers and like had a lot of mentors. And at the time, our chief strategy officer was one of my really good mentors. And him and I had a really like real conversation over some coffee at our huddle, which is our cafeteria there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Anisha, what do you want to do? We have to find a way to like figure out how you could stay at the NFL. And I told him like, you know, with the media background, as much as I love media, like I really liked understanding the strategy and like the business decisions we make at the league Mm -hmm. office in New York. And that led to my first job out of the junior rotational program, which was content strategy. Um, So once I wrapped up the program, I left the New York office and I came back to my roots in Los Angeles to our NFL media office that was in Culver City. Um, And I was working on our overall content strategy, more focused on digital uh, because we were really growing in that space. And during that time is when Musical.ly was transitioning into TikTok. So I worked a little bit on like what NFL's TikTok presence was going to look like. I helped launch um, our Reddit platform because we weren't on Reddit before. So we started to do Ask Me Anythings with players. Um, And then just looking at like holistically, like what does NFL's presence look like on Snapchat and Instagram? And like, why do they have to be different? Like, why can't we just get one clip that we put on network and put it across every channel? It's because the audiences on each are different. So Mm -hmm. I did that role for about a year, two and a half years, I want to say. I'm coming, I'm at six years at the NFL. So two years in that, two and a half years in content strategy. And then now my role is integrated sales and marketing. And I really chose during the pandemic to make a shift. Um, I wanted to do something a little bit different, use the skills I had developed from like understanding our platforms and our content really well into growing professionally, but also kind of expanding like the people I work with within the NFL. And there was an opportunity within our sponsored content because somebody left to go to the Jaguars. So stayed in the family, but, um, I basically took on her role and, now I work on all of our sponsored content. So it was a very seamless transition from content strategy to sponsored content because you're really looking at the same thing, except you're trying to figure out how to monetize it as opposed to just reaching eyeballs. Um, so yeah. Well, you said a couple of things in there that I, I wanted to highlight. One of them was that you're pretty much no filter and you say it like it is, which I love. It's one of the things I just adore about you. And you talk of, talked about maintaining and creating you know, authentic relationships. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that because it's really wonderful. You know who you are and it serves you well because you haven't tried to be something you're not. You haven't tried to filter yourself when you shouldn't and all of those kinds of things. So if you could just talk a little bit about that and also the idea of maintaining these relationships because probably not everyone coming out of a junior rotation ends up staying at the league, but you have. So I'd love for you to kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah, of course. Um, I love that you brought that up. I actually, again, coming to the unfiltered piece, I have panic disorder. I get panic attacks uh, very regularly. And I think that in a weird way, they were a blessing in disguise because I've been getting them since I was about like 10 or 11 years old. So by the time I was working and in college, I had very much developed this, like, you can't care what other people think mentality. And I wasn't like that before. And I do think that that is what has created this ability to kind of only 
share what I'm feeling and thinking as opposed to thinking too much into how it's going to be received, what the person on the other end could be like, what judgment they could be forming about me because of it. And so, um, in a way, what I used to view as like a disadvantage worked to my advantage, um, because it's made me kind of not care. Like I, I genuinely like feel like it took a bit to get there, but I found that if you are not going to love someone for the way they are or appreciate them for, you know, what their thoughts are and like what they're expressing, I like, I kind of don't care to be around those people anyway. So I just found that being myself and it, it made my life easier. Like, I do think that I try to give people this advice of like, if I could Tracy, if you and I could be the same when we're having dinner or when we're on this podcast as I would talk to my mom or I would talk to my boss or I would talk to my boss's boss's boss, then I'm doing something right. If I can be consistent with all the people in my life, then I'm not creating personas. I'm just enhancing like my brand in a way, but Mm -hmm. my brand is authentic to who I would be in my own time in my own home. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL hockey conference finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. So authenticity is something that comes up a lot on this podcast, and it's become somewhat of a buzzword, I know, but not all buzzwords are bad things. In fact, lots of buzzwords are not, and there's a reason they're buzzwords. And it really is such an important thing, and I'm really glad you've highlighted it because, and I know we say this a lot in the podcast too, and it does sound cliche, but there is only one you, and you can't try to be someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to work if you do, no matter what setting it is. And we talk about it a lot of times with journalists and media members, like you can't try to be the next Aaron Andrews, yep. the next Krista Thompson, whatever it is, you have yeah. to be you. And it's true in, in all areas of work because otherwise it just doesn't work and people can tell when you're being fake. So I would imagine that your colleagues and your bosses appreciate the authenticity and it's probably really refreshing in a lot of ways. Yeah, and look, I think sometimes people who are a little bit older, who didn't grow up in an environment where they could speak up or could mm-hmm. question, sometimes they hate it. I'm, I'm, and I'm being honest, like, it's like, sometimes they're like, Oh, like kind of like, would you just pipe down already? And, mm-hmm. and for me, those are not people I want to work with. And so right. that that's that out already. So I think that the right people appreciate it and the right people value it because they aren't able to vocalize something or you're saying what they're thinking or they wish they could have been that way or Mm. they echo off what you said, you know? So I do think that the right people that you want to be surrounded with will appreciate the authenticity. And like, I, I said, I always will go into like, when I was interviewing with the NFL, I went into it with like, if they don't like me, I don't want to be there. 
And mm-hmm. that, and I, I feel that way about dating. I give girl, young girls advice about dating, about going into jobs. Like you don't want to be in a job that doesn't want you. You don't want to be in a relationship that doesn't want you or like you for exactly who you are. Like I want to be embraced for who I am in a workplace. I want to be embraced to, for who I am in friendships and relationships. So I think that like you shouldn't expect something different from a workplace than you do from the people you surround yourself with by choice on a personal level, because you spend more time with your coworkers than you do with anybody else. That is very, very true. And I know we've talked about this before on that advice that when it comes to dating, it's, it's not just, do they like me? It's, do I like them? And that's important. And I think that's true of a workplace too. And, and understanding, of course, that sometimes we have to take jobs or be in situations that are not our most favorite because bills need to be paid. And we we got to we got to yes. take care of that. But when you're looking at a career and you're looking at a long-term fit for where you want to be, you don't want to be somewhere where you don't like them either. That's not a fun yeah. feeling. And I, I can say years ago, I had a, I had a job not in sports. I, I was mm-hmm. not working in sports at the time. And it was a terrible situation. I had a, a coworker who was really just awful, unfortunately had a reputation for being so mm-hmm. and was crying every morning on my way to work. And I finally, one morning said like this, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. I'm just not doing this. Why am I, I would have to like psych myself up and be like, well, I have such a great life out of work. And when I leave the office, it'll be fine. But I was crying every morning on the way to work. And I have a pretty thick skin with these things. Like yeah. I worked in politics, so I can I can take a lot. And <laughs> it was just, it was miserable. Now, out of that, Fangirl Sports Network was born. So that was a positive as well. But there was a point where I was like, I just, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's not worth it because yeah. nobody should feel that way every day when they have to go into the office. Yeah. And those situations teach you more about what you want out of yourself, out of a job, out of like, and I think that, what, what you're talking like, oh, look, we've all had jobs. We don't like, we've all had jobs that we didn't wear. And I was in fashion for a hot minute. And I, when I was in fashion, I was like, this is not for me. I love clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love style, but this, this just, the environment was just not for me. And like, I think that being in that almost made me lean even more into the authenticity and made me search for like, what is it truly that is going to feel fulfilling for me? But like, when you're in fashion, you're working around a lot of women and it's a lot about, it's based off appearance. It's, it's a very different world than sports and it's mm-hmm. a very different world and they all have their pros and cons. But for me, I just felt like I couldn't be myself. And I felt like a lot of it was more about how you appeared as opposed to who you were. And I think that like, mm-hmm. it's all the life experiences that have led led me to like really tap into the authenticity. My parents make fun of me in the most beautiful way of like, yeah, Anisha's going to say what she wants. She's going to say exactly what you think. You can read it off my face. My words might as well say it. <laughs> I think that's true in a very good way, but I do believe that that's true. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's where that came in. And I think that that's helped me a lot with the relationship piece because people can people could sniff out. I always tell my peers, I tell myself this, like, don't only talk to people when you need people. If I can sense when someone is only talking to me when they want a job with the NFL or only talking to me when they want to like figure out a way to like connect with someone that I know and like it feels disingenuous and it doesn't feel real and people can sense that. So my whole thing is like, look, I don't care about IT, for example. 
don't care about information technology at all. Don't even understand how to set up my internet properly. Okay. And I am best friends with the entire IT team because they're human beings that I work with. And mm-hmm. I'm never going to try to get a job in IT. They are not serving me a purpose in this, how I'm going to grow at the company. But I do think that too many people in a workplace, especially when we're younger and trying to grow is are like, they're, people are too focused on who can help you get to the next level as opposed to how am I person, like, what's my reputation at this company? And like, I like having the reputation of being the social butterfly that people get along with. I don't want to be the person that's trying to climb the ladder. I want to climb the ladder by my own merit and by my own like skill set. I don't want it to be because of who I know and what I did, you know? Absolutely. And I think this transitions nicely into my next question. And granted, that pretty much is just patting myself on the back. But nonetheless, I do think it does. What is a misstep that you're seeing women and maybe not just women make when trying to break into the sports industry? I think that there's there's almost like like an obsession with getting into the sports industry in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that there's like a, I don't even want to say the word desperation. It, it's almost like a lack of like self-worth and self-respect sometimes just to get in the sports industry. And that's not in like a, oh, they'll do anything way. It's like, sometimes I think if the job's not right, don't take it. Like, I think too many people push for the, like, you have to get your foot in the door Um, as opposed to telling you like the situation needs to feel right. And I think that, um, the sports industry has grown a lot. It's changed a lot, but there's still some of that like old school thinking. There's still some of that, like you have to question the status quo and you have to push the limits a little bit. And I think way too many people just want to get into the sports industry. So they'll take anything. And I think Mm -hmm. that the misstep is often people don't realize, look, like I came from music and fashion into sports and I didn't know an owner and I didn't know anybody. I connected with a recruiter, which was different, but like, I don't think you necessarily need to take the bottom of the totem pole job in sports just to get into sports. I think you can start to build in another industry and you have to learn how to market yourself. You have to learn how to go into an interview and pitch what your experiences have been and how they're going to help you in the sports industry. Like for me, my whole pitch with the NFL was like, yo, you're probably going to interview a lot of people who love football, who know football better than me, who have been dying to be in this program their whole life. But I have the media knowledge. I went to a really, really, really good journalism school and I can bring that to the table. So if you want someone with good media experience, I'm your girl. But if that's not the case, then maybe I got to like go get a different form of experience to then bring it into football. But I think that the misstep is often just an obsession with getting into sports and taking whatever job as opposed to like starting to build some form of a like portfolio for yourself of things you're interested in and then using that as a as like your foundation to pitch yourself of why you make sense for the job you're actually going for. Does that make sense? Speaking, Oh, it absolutely makes sense. And I think that that is really good advice and really important. And I like how you said 
figuring out a portfolio of the things that you're interested in, because it does really help you narrow down a little bit as to mm -hmm. what positions are best for you. And I think the other part of that, the other piece of that in terms of the wanting to get into sports so badly is also understanding what that really means. And we talk about that a lot on this podcast too, but it looks real glamorous from the outside, but most of it is not. It's awesome. We have, a, yeah. I have an amazing job. You have an amazing job. Yeah. There are people with way more workshops, but it's not glamour all of the time. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's probably only 5% of the time is that yeah. a, a portion of it. And a lot of hard work goes behind that. And so I think understanding that as well Mm -hmm. And that every day isn't a football game and a yeah. cool sponsorship campaign and all of that it is really important or it's a very rude awakening. When you get yeah. And I'm noticing. So um, everyone that's, if whoever listens to this, that has worked with me at the NFL will know. I started, I was 21 years old. Okay. I was printing FedEx labels. I was putting them in slips. I was shipping out boxes at the same time. I was in the same room as the biggest NFL players. It, but it depended on the day. And it was like, I could be at Super Bowl. Super Bowl is one day in a year. But that lead up into Super Bowl, those weeks, those months that go into that, like, I'm talking like, I'm sitting in a ballroom with like 10,000 Nike shoe boxes, putting them in little cinch bags for a flag football game for our ad agencies. That's not glamorous. But my one shot on the field on Sunday in February is glamour. So that's where I think that like now with the access that the newer generation, and I'm saying newer generation, I know I'm young, but there's a big difference between when I started and then like the current, the current like college graduates in the access to information between TikTok and Instagram and like all these job websites and Reddit boards. Like the, the expectation is that you're going to come in, you're going to do all the cool work. You're going to get all the great projects and you're going to get to go to everything. And that's not the case. And I think that like people don't realize that because when you're looking at a social account, you're, if you're like Tracy, if you're looking at your page, you're looking at my page. Like it looks, it looks like it's all fun all the time. And that's not the case. There's a lot of hustle that goes into it. There's a lot of grind that goes, goes into it. I'm currently sitting at my dining room table that has turned into an office for the last two years. And I'm living a very, there's a burger on my <laughs> coffee table because that's what I had for lunch. Cause I'm working from home and I had something delivered really quickly. Like there are the very much not glamorous days. And I think that that kind of gets lost in when you're trying to come into the industry because you just want to work games. You just want to be with players. And like, that's only the rare occasions, unless you're like, I mean, in your case, you're on the field, you have to interview them, but what goes into that prep? Like you have to prep for those interviews. You have to then go, when you leave, you go home, you're downloading all that stuff onto your computer. You're editing those pieces. You're working on trying to keep up with all the social trends so that you can then put those on the internet so that they gain the traction you want them to gain. So it's, there's a lot of hustle that goes into it that isn't really like discussed. And I, I tell that to people a lot about game day because people say, oh, it looks so fun. You have such a cool job. And they're right. I have an extremely cool job. It is so fun. But you are correct that a lot of hustle, a lot of work, a lot of prep goes into that. And my game day doesn't start when the game starts. My game day starts at around 7 a.m. on game day. Yeah. And it ends around on a day of an afternoon game. 
It ends at 10 p.m. on a Monday night football game. It may start a little later, but it also ends a lot later. So yeah. those hours are long and it's amazing. I'm so lucky to do what I do, but it's it's a lot of hard work. And I do think it's really important for our listeners to understand that, whether they're mm-hmm. getting into the industry, whether they're in the industry, and even people in the industry who may be like, when does this stop? You know, it is, it is a lot of hard work and it's just an important thing to highlight because you got to know that going in or you're going to be. Miserable. Yeah. The way I frame it. And like, we talk about this a lot with like my coworkers at the NFL. It's like those moments, like those highs, like those, the Super Bowl Sundays, the player interviews, the, you know, like the kickoffs, the drafts, like those temples are what make me okay with dealing with the other stuff that's not fun and sexy, you know, like mm-hmm. that's what me, that's what motivates me to stay. That's what motivates me to keep going. Like it ha- look like the sports industry has that like it factor. It has that sex appeal, but you have to realize that those moments are what actually like drive you through the challenging times because mm-hmm. there are look off season doesn't exist. You know that I know that everyone else thinks we do nothing this time of year. Um, not at all the case, but I do, I will say like the anticipation of the season keeps me going this time of year mm-hmm. and it helps me rationalize the spreadsheets and decks I stare at all day, you know? Yeah. Which that makes <laughs> sense. And I was laughing about that earlier. Cause someone asked like, what do you do in the off season? I said, well, there's really no such thing. And fangirls, the company covers everything going on in sports and all the major news. But in terms of my beat reporting, I was like, there really isn't one. It went from Super Bowl to combine to free agency, to owners meetings, to the draft, to rookie mini camp, to OTAs, to mini camp. So and now there'll be, there'll be a little break in a couple of weeks, but that's, you know, there's not really an off season. And even I was laughing today that it's June and I'm going to be writing about mini camp and football doesn't start for months, but you still are covering what's going on. And these are just important things to remember and kind of leads me into the next question as Mm -hmm. well, which is we do work long hours and there's always something that can be done, you know, always, no matter what. And, and of course we have to find that those boundaries and the ability to say, okay, I'm going to turn it off for now. But you specifically had been in grad school the last couple of years while working full time. And I I don't like the word balance because I think it's a, just a total fallacy, mm-hmm. but there is the idea of finding overall balance. You're not yeah. going to every day have a perfect work-life balance, but how did you manage all of that? And it, and how did you set up boundaries to not completely burn out? Yeah. I mean, great question, Tracy. Um, I, so I think I'll give a rationale for why I even started grad school and then I can go into how it helped me like quote unquote balance it all. So when I started at the NFL, I was 21, living in New York, did not know a single person. I moved to New York for a job. And my whole motto was, I'm going to give this job like my everything. And so with that came raising my hand for like every opportunity. I was doing every extracurricular, helping on game days, helping on any temple, literally going in on Saturdays to help package Super Bowl tickets. So I really like maximized all my time on work, but it was fun. I was fresh out of like fresh out of school. It's your first job. Like you should be doing that. You know, like you want to give your first career, like first 
go at your career, like you're all, because that's how you're going to learn. That's how you're going to grow. That's how you're going to like start to build your reputation. So that happened. And then as you know, with sports, there's a lot of travel. And so as like that first year of eagerness, like died out, the travel started to increase like site visits, Super Bowl planning, Pro Bowl planning, et cetera. Um, and then I moved to LA, the same thing happened with all the media coverage. Like I was always at the Coliseum for the Rams games. And then, so when the pandemic hit, I, I live alone. Um, well now no longer, but, uh, when the pandemic hit, I was by myself, I was single, I had a job and I was working from home and I had no idea what to do with my spare time because I was, I was such a social butterfly and such a hustler that like, I was always busy. So March, 2020 came around and I'm like twiddling my thumbs when my work day is over because it is technically off season because we're not having massive temple events because draft is online and combine was canceled and, or combine had happened and it was right after combine, I think pandemic. It was. Yeah, it was right after. Yeah. I had a lot of, I was actually, you're right. I was in Indy, I was in Miami and then I came home in the pandemic hit. And so I had a lot of time and I was a little bit afraid about job security, although I was not given any, um, signs that I was going to be let go or furloughed, but I knew that like the sports industry was making cuts and we did make cuts. Um, I didn't get cut, but, um, in that process, I kind of had like a, Oh, you know, moment. And I just thought to myself, like, let me build on my portfolio. Like, let me just keep adding to my resume because worst case scenario, if I lose my job, at least I'll be doing something else. I don't know what to do with myself. I have nothing to do. So the master's application, um, happened because I had spare time for the first time in what felt like forever. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I called USC, which I literally just picked up the phone and called the Annenberg, um, like office. And I was like, what master's programs do you have? this is like what I do for work. This is like where I want to grow and work. And I've always wanted to kind of go more in like the marketing track. So, um, they like kind of pitched me a bunch of their options and I applied, um, about a month or so passed and I was accepted. And at that point when I was accepted, I met my now fiance three days later, I got a new job within the NFL about five months later and I was busy again. And when I was busy again, I had a, oh, I made this decision because I thought I was going to have a lot of time. But one thing I learned um, from the pandemic was that social events will always exist and Mm -hmm. they don't, they're not a necessity because we were fine without them for several months. Um, But people will make up for lost time. Um, I also learned that it's really important to be comfortable with who you are and what you bring to the table and that I needed to focus the next two years on bettering myself and who I am as an employee because everyone felt replaceable for that year period where everyone was getting job, like cuts from jobs, salary cuts. And, you know, it it was such a weird limbo, like, people who had been in the profession for 20 plus years were jobless. And so I really used that as a motivator to like push me through dealing with lectures on a Monday night when football is on my other screen and Mm -hmm. dealing with emails while I have a 
15 page paper due the next day. And I had projects due on Super Bowl Sunday, Tracy. And what I had to do was pre-plan and I had to do them as if they were due the Sunday before, which was Pro Bowl Sunday. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Like uh-huh. really, really just like time management. And like, I think that the balance was giving myself a break when I felt I needed a break. Like I, you know, I got engaged at the Hollywood Roosevelt. It's a special place for my fiance and I, but I've written a paper at poolside at the Hollywood Roosevelt because guess what? We had planned a night there. I remember like a year ago, it was July 4th weekend and I had a paper due on July 6th and I'm not going to not submit the paper. I'm not going to not sit by the pool. So I'm going to take my laptop by the pool and I'm going to write that paper. (laughs) So I think that for me, it was like telling myself that I'm going to give it my best without, um, like, without jeopardizing like some of the fun that I would want to have. But look, I did say no to a lot of things. I didn't let my work slip. I think I definitely prioritized work up until a certain hour. So like if it was like six o'clock and someone reached out to me through email, for me, that was my school time. And if it wasn't urgent, I would ignore it until the next day. And I, and I knew that I could because I've been here long enough where I have that reputation that like, I'm going to answer. I'm just not going to answer it tonight. So, um, I, I definitely needed to balance it. Look, I ended up not to toot my own horn. I got straight A's, but it was a matter of like balancing my sanity with performing well in my job with the pressure I put on myself for school. And I think that that's what helped me a little bit. Like I knew that I was the one pressuring myself for school as opposed to when you're little, like your parents almost do that. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, and it was, it was such a rewarding feeling. And like, I don't think, um, getting your education while you're working gets enough credit. Like people are so supportive. Like the week I graduated, everyone in the office from like our SVP to like the, like, the people who work with me, who were just so excited that like I accomplished that, you know, and it was, uh, it was a cool feeling. And I think that it only helps you do your job better if your company like values the education piece, you know? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? You should toot your own horn. It's pretty incredible what you're able to do. And I think what you said is so true is just, you know, for your sanity and realizing that you can't do everything, but that like you said, the social stuff isn't going anywhere. You will be fine. You know, we all get FOMO. I think social media has changed that so much. But ultimately, you had a goal in mind and you achieved your goal. And you know what? You can say yes to parties all summer and it'll be like you've been there the whole time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and like it's it's a matter. I, I think, too, I, I will give Eddie, uh, fiance, I don't think I mentioned his name yet, some credit. <laughs> Because you know this, like he's wrapping up his residency. And when your partner is busier than you are, even though you're in full-time school and full-time work, it's kind of like, oh, what what can I complain about? You know, like the right. medical field, let me tell you. So that that's the thing. Like, I do think that that helped me also because his schedule was so nuts that like I had the time to sit down and focus. And like, I didn't sit down and feel bad for myself because- the person who I'm with all the time is also working. So I think that was like a good, like check. Anytime I was having those days where I'm like, Oh, I wish I could just be at the beach without service, not thinking about anything, you know? 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, before we get into a day in the life, which I think is going to be very fascinating, I have a, another question before we get there because day in the life and five fun facts are coming up and those are yes. certainly fun, no pun intended, parts of this podcast. But how have you seen opportunities change and grow for women in the sports industry and how do you think we can still improve? You know, it's been a night and day difference since 2016, um, for me at least. I I think I'm I'm under good leadership right now, so I might be a little bit biased, um, but I've seen improvement. I think there's definitely a lot more room to improve. I think the biggest, to answer your question directly, the biggest change is the ability and the platform for women to open up and vocalize concern. Um, mm-hmm. I think prior to the last like year or two, we, I don't know if we were silenced. We were in the past. I, I don't know if we've been silenced necessarily in the last like five years, but i almost feel like there's been a fear. It's almost like mm-hmm. you are afraid to say anything. You're afraid to speak up. You're afraid to say something. If like someone did something or someone disrespected you or, you know, and like, it was almost like you would have like a target on your back when you did things like that. And mm-hmm. now at least with us, with NFL, like we have zooms and we have meetings in person and like we have mo- I have multiple opportunities where I can be like, no, that was wrong. Or no, I think this is how it should be. And like, I'm not afraid to say it. So I think that the difference is that we are less afraid a little bit more unapologetic in the best way, which, you know, I'm a fan of, uh, I'm a fan girl of unapologetic. And I also think that we, we love really, a fan girl. We love a fan girl. We love everything. a fan girl. And we love that. We love that. Yeah. And I, and I think that there's just been a little bit more of an ability to vocalize and that's one step forward. I think the next step where we still have a lot of room for improvement is the actions that are taken from those messages. Like, I think that I am heard anytime I vocalize anything. Um, I think that it's not falling on deaf ears. I just think that in general, in society and sports and everything, like the action plan is what needs improvement. Like, how are we changing it? What are we doing to make a work environment better, more comfortable, safer, more inclusive for women? And how are we changing our hiring strategies? How are we changing our promotion strategies? I think that like the promotion piece is the biggest one. Like, I think that women are getting the jobs. There's, there's just a, they might not be growing at the same speed as everybody else. And I think that was very well said the ability to vocalize, speak up. So then, but what happens next? Yeah. How does that get handled? And that is the next and, and very important piece of this. Yeah. And I think um, my con- I was just going to say, like, I think my contribution to that is like, I don't shut up. Like if I said it once or in another meeting, I'm going to say it again until we're going to do something. I will say it. And I think that like, I, I almost take pride in that. Like, I'm not going to stop saying it just because I think nothing's happening, you know? So I think that's where, that's where we have to keep pushing. And I think you should take pride in that. That's really important because if we don't keep asking, we all have to be our own best advocates for everything in life and people are not mind readers. And so if we don't keep asking and if we don't keep saying the things that we want, vocalizing our concerns, nothing is going to happen. And it is very easy to listen to a concern and say, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll look into that and then do nothing. 
But it's not easy to do that if the person vocalizing the concern continues to vocalize it. So you should take pride in that because it's very important. Yeah. And yeah, I appreciate you. I'm sorry I cut you off. I think you were about to go into your next. I don't think you got... I don't think you did cut me off <laughs> or maybe, but if you did, it was worth it. Cause what you said was really important. So <laughs> I appreciate so you. Everybody, so everybody wins there. Everybody wins, but I would love for you to take us through a day in the life of Anisha Maradian and you can decide what day it could have been a day when you were in school. It could just be a day at the office. It could be Super Bowl. It could be whatever day you want it to be. Ooh, I like this. Um, I feel like I'm going to do a regular day because um, my Super Bowl days are so much fun. But to sum it up, I wake up really early. I take like 35,000 steps. I'm exhausted and I see like three minutes of the game. Um, But the most rewarding part of Super Bowl Sundays is that I've been able to take my dad to a couple. And uh, so I think that that for me has been like Super Bowl highlights. But Super Bowls are exhausting for me. So I'll do a regular day, especially for the people who are listening who want to go into the sports industry. So you have a sense of like a normal life. Um, I, I'll do like an average in season day. I wake up. I am not an early riser. I do not wear, I do not work out in the mornings. I wake up at maybe like seven (laughs) 40 and I, first thing I do, I am basically negative 375 vision. So I cannot see much when I open my eyes. I do not wear my glasses. I do not wear my contacts. I walk straight to my coffee machine. I make myself a cup of coffee and I text my mom. Hi. And if my mom reads the text, I immediately FaceTime her. And so so (laughs) I, I grab my coffee. I grab my phone with my mom on FaceTime and I walk straight to the bathroom to start getting ready for work. Um, I am not a fan of getting too glammed up for my office days, especially since our LA office is a little bit more relaxed than our New York, like corporate HQ. Um, so I'll quickly do like a light makeup, comb my hair. I am always in a pair of Levi's, a golden goose and a big t-shirt. Um, that is my Anisha uniform. And so I'll literally, by the way, talk to my mom about anything and everything. If I have time, I will make myself oatmeal. Um, and if I make myself oatmeal, it's in like a plastic, like in a little like uh, paper or whatever, like to go coffee cup that then goes in my car that I eat with a plastic spoon on my way to work because that is just my quickest way to have a breakfast and not do dishes. Um, and then when I get to work, I would say like my days really vary. Um, I would say the most consistent things are we have like a check-in with our immediate group. So like, um, myself, my peer and like the two women on our team, we're all women, the four of us that speak on the regular. Um, we go through like all of our accounts, like where does everything stand? Are they sold? Are they in pitch? Like, what do we need to do to like push the, you know, like push the partner to like make the deal happen? Like, how do we work with the sales team? So we kind of have that like check-in. And then a lot of my days are focused on like RFPs. So what that is, is like our, um, 
partners send us like a breakdown of like what type of audience they're trying to reach, what type of messaging they want implemented, like what their budget is, what, um, what platforms do they want to be on? Do they want to buy social? Do they want to buy homepage takeovers, like articles, streaming shows, et cetera. So I kind of go through those. I work with all of our content creators to like come up with what that plan looks like. I work with the pricing and inventory team to see like how much that investment would be. So like, that's kind of like my actual job. Um, Mm -hmm. If I don't eat breakfast at home, I literally just eat extra crispy bacon and potatoes at the office because we have really good potatoes and bacon at the office. Um, Sounds delicious. Yeah. And then, so I will say I spent a lot of my time kind of like walking around the office, like going by our producers, having the conversations with the producers, like going by the programmers, kind of seeing like what's, what's what, like, what are we doing that week? Like, what could we be doing? That's like special for a partner, like kind of just brainstorming and helping our sales team, like come up with our pitches. Um, and then I'm a big fan of group lunch. I will always eat lunch right on like at noon on the dot. And I like to eat lunch with people. So I usually just like either eat with my team or I try to like, um, hang out with, um, people around the office. If I run into someone at the huddle, which is our cafeteria, like we'll spend some time with them. And then the afternoon for me is usually like, cause I work a lot with New York. The afternoon is usually the time for me to, um, catch up on like actual emails as opposed to being in meetings. So the afternoon is where I kind of like power through, um, any like tasks of the day to make sure we have everything covered off. And if there's a game that night, like really making sure that, um, our game day story for Instagram is like ready to go. The branding is on for the tiles. Like the partner is signed on as like a branded content partner. Like we're not going to have any issues. And then when that goes live, like taking screenshots, making sure the clients like know what their presence looks like on our platforms. Um, and then, yeah, like kind of wrapping up my work day. And when my work day wraps up, I'm the type that likes to come straight home. I'm not trying to go run errands after work unless I buy groceries. But I typically come home right as I'm leaving the parking lot, I will place an Instacart order so that I don't have to stop anywhere. And oh my God, we really are the same person. My avocados and the chicken and blah, blah, blah will be at the door as soon as I get there, you know? Like, um, I'm on a plane home. I, I mean, I will be on a plane home for practice and we'll be doing my Instacart order. So it arrives when I get home. Like, I totally oh, like, I'm it to a T. Yes. Like, um, literally, I worked out yesterday and I placed my Postmates order 10 minutes out so that it literally arrives as I arrive to my house after my workout. Um, yeah, we are the same person. I often get the thing on Postmates that says, you seem far from this address. Yes. I'm like, yeah, that's because I'm on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'll be there when the food gets there. Because I'm not in the city right now. Um, so yeah, I usually like do an Instacart order. I love to cook. Um, and I actually like have the time to cook usually because um, my, I keep wanting to say boyfriend and I feel so snobby saying fiance, Eddie, um, is usually still at work when I'm getting home because he works super late hours. So it's kind of nice. I'll like come home, I'll FaceTime my sister or a friend, like catch them up on the day. I'll try to like prep a meal. And then when I get his text, like leaving the hospital is when things actually like hit the fire. Um, and And when we eat, we usually like watch like an episode of Seinfeld or whatever. And then once we like hang out, catch up on the day, we both 
kind of sit at the dining table with our laptops and catch up on work, school. He like looks up like uh, all the stuff he has to do for the week for his cases. So it's, um, it's a good like separation of like when I leave work, I actually get a break. And then after I take that break, I kind of like sink back and I'm a big fan of scheduling emails. So if things come up at night that I think like need to be addressed before like the New York office wakes up, I'll answer them because like Eddie's also working, but I'll schedule them to send out at like 5am so that at 8am on the East coast, they get the email. And like, look, I don't always do that, but on like those catch up nights, which is usually really like typical in season. Um, that's what I do to make sure like people get their answers on time. But like my typical day in the life is that that's my like chill day in the life. But you know me, I like to like go out with my friends. I like to like hang out in like West Hollywood and Santa Monica and like do my thing. But I think like my typical days are more like wake up, get ready for work, go to work, like do everything I need to do, come home, have a meal, hang out with Eddie and go to bed. <laughs> I mean, it sounds, it's a very full and very, very good day. I love it. And I think yeah. it's, I like that day because I think it is indicative of your normal day. So I think yeah. that's really, that's a, that that's a normal, that's like my tip. That's like what's going to happen today, except today I'm working from home. Uh, well, that's, well, that seems fair. So, yeah. so did you have the oatmeal? That's my most important. I did have the oatmeal and I, my new thing is like, I eat my oatmeal with like a little bit of chocolate chips. Oh, and I love that journey. It's, I do it with like chocolate chips and like peaches are in season and some peaches and like raspberries. And I almost feel like I'm having dessert for breakfast, but it, I have this like dairy free, sugar free chocolate chip that tastes delicious. I'll actually send you a picture, but they're so good and it's amazing on my oatmeal. So I had oatmeal today. Oh, that sounds amazing. And I'm coming over for breakfast tomorrow. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Anisha, this has been so fun because because it's just fun and I love talking to you always. And also I so appreciate and love your candor and how open and honest you are. And I just think it's so important, especially in this world that we live in and in this world of social media where everything isn't always so authentic and open and, mm. and honest and as it is. And I appreciate how much you are you. So I have to say that first and foremost, secondly, time for five fun facts. Yeah. As, as you know, as our listeners know, this is something I've started doing with the 49ers players and they get to tell you five things about them you wouldn't otherwise know. But on this podcast, we ask everybody the same five questions. So mm -hmm. if you are ready, I'm ready. Five fun facts with Anisha Maradian. All right, Anisha, your favorite moment in sports. Oh, my favorite moment in sports was Super Bowl in Minnesota. Um, I'm an Eagles fan and I was, it was a really, it was, I'll make, I know this is supposed to be fast. It was a really hard week for me. I had lost my grandpa, but I chose to stay in Minnesota to like see out the Super Bowl as opposed to coming back home. And mm -hmm. I was standing over like the railing because I don't, I don't get a seat for Super Bowl. I give that to my dad. And so I was standing by the railing and it was the final moment. And when the Eagles won that game, I was just like, waterworks and just so emotional because it was like such a hard week. And that was just like such a rewarding moment. And I just ran down to the field because I had to be at the field anyway, but I had to wait for the tunnel to get cleared. So that was 1000% one of my favorite moments. And it was special because my dad got my seat and then I gave 
my other um, ticket to my best friend who got to go with her dad. And it was like um, the last Super Bowl she got to watch with her dad. So it was, it was very special. Oh, that's really sweet. That makes me want to cry. I know. I know Um, it's sad, but it was like, it was really like truly the most rewarding talk about like those highs that are tied in lows that that was, that was the moment. That's amazing. Uh, What is your life motto? My life motto is be yourself. Honestly, it really is. Like, I know that's like the typical like line, but I truly think like be unapologetically you is my life motto. I love it. And I think it fits with the theme of this entire podcast. So that really works. What is, I think I know the answer to this, but what is your go-to workout? Peloton and long walks. Um, I'm a big fan of like really long neighborhood walks. Like I literally will snake all the streets and I used to do it in New York. Now I do it in LA. Um, but I have a Peloton. It's kind of been sitting pretty lately cause I've been, the weather's been nice, but Peloton or long walks. I was going to say long walks. If I yeah, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with long walks. Like I literally went on a three mile walk yesterday in pajamas in my neighborhood. Cause it's my favorite thing. I love it. And what is your go-to coffee order? I drink my coffee black, hot, nothing in it, no sugar, no milk. And that actually used to not be the case. And when I was at Pro Bowl, I had to wake up at 4 a.m. for 10 days straight in 2017. And the hotel manager told me he will no longer give me coffee for my uh, sugar for my coffee. So I drink my coffee black and hot. Why would he give you sugar for your coffee? Because he was like, you can't, because it was so early and I kept drinking it. I used to drink it with like three packs of sugar and it was just like too much. And he was like, Mm. just try it without. And I've been obsessed since and he's saved me. So, um, black, hot. All right. (laughs) Love it. And a book every woman should read. Um, I have this book under my table. Actually, it's called nice girls still don't get the corner office. Um, and it's actually fabulous. And it's all about how being nice and just like kind of going with the status quo won't help you like grow in your career. Um, it's really good tidbits of like, um, experience from, uh, like a female writer and I'll, I'll, I forget who the author is. I'm like, I'm trying to see it. But if you type in nice girls still don't get the corner office, you'll see it. And it's just helped me a lot. It's motivated me when I've been like disappointed in not getting a promotion or like trying to figure out where uh, my growth will be within the company. And I think that like, that's a good book to lead on for um, motivation when I need to remind myself that I'm a bad B and I can do it. I love it. Anisha, thank you so much for joining me today. This was fantastic. Thank you. This was awesome. And thanks for having me. Um, I know I talk a lot, so I appreciate being on your pod. I like I like that you talk a lot because I think we all learned a lot of very important information today. And if you guys like what you heard, which I know you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online, And with that... I will talk to everybody next week. Bye, all Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.